We're continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6 and verses 25 through 34. And so I will read along in Matthew chapter um, chapter 6. And, and I actually want to go back and read the section of Scripture that we taught on last week. Because it's related to the section of Scripture that we're talking on this week. And so I'm going to read 19 through 34. Our teaching today will begin and will focus in the latter half of that, verses 25 through 34. So if you're there, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34, if you'll follow along while I read. These are the words of Jesus to his disciples and to a crowd of other followers early in his ministry. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day 
is its own trouble. This is a reading of God's word. Um, I could do nothing other this morning than to begin by saying I am woefully inadequate to preach on this text. Uh, I think that's true for many texts in the Bible, probably. Um, But especially this one. And especially its pressing topic of concern. And what is that topic of concern? The topic of concern for Jesus here is anxiety. So I feel woefully inadequate to preach on this. And I'm grateful, however, and this is a little aside. I'm grateful, however, um, that uh, I started to share this with the worship team this morning before we while we were rehearsing. I'm grateful that that um, that God has so ordered his church. That the preaching of his word, which is inspired by him. And what does its work through uh, by the Holy Spirit in the lives of hearers, something special happens when the word is preached and it is taught. Paul, Paul called it like the foolishness of the world. God chose the foolishness of preaching to convey this message. So I'm grateful that the church is not structured like TED Talks, where you bring in an expert who is a niche expert in a certain field. And so I'm going to talk to you about how I've conquered anxiety. Um, run away from those pastors, okay? Run away from, from those kind of people. Uh, so I feel comfortable in admitting to you my woeful inability uh, because I struggle with anxiety. Uh, like struggle about my children or finances. We, where are my kids are going to go to college? Are they going to go to college? Um, how, how bills are going to be, to be met? And you, you know the struggles. How many of you struggle at some point with anxiety? And I feel comfortable admitting all of that to you because we want to hear what Jesus has to say through this. Anxiety is the characteristic. I heard this said this last week, unrelated to this message. I heard that anxiety is the characteristic attribute of our time in our culture. The characteristic attribute. Um, Psychology Today said, says this diagnosable anxiety. So this is not even the undiagnosed one. Diagnosable anxiety appears to affect Western society, in particular Americans, more than other cultures. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, 18% of people are diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. That's one in five. Go down the row. Every five is diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. And they conclude with this. Americans are anxious people. And what that tells me is that anxiety is not a function of material want. Americans are wealthier and happier than any other culture and than in any other time in history. And at the same time, still suffering... Uh, at astronomical levels of, of anxiety. And so anxiety is, as I said, anxiety is not a function of material want. Anxiety is not a material problem. It is a spiritual problem. 
So what is anxiety? Here's just dictionary definition. The feeling of worry, just in case, you know, for those of you who don't have anxiety um, and don't know what I'm talking about, let me just read the definition. The feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. So that, that thing in the future, you're not sure how it's going to go. Um, the Greek word might be helpful to know the Greek word that Jesus is using here of anxiety means to be care, to be anxious. That word occurs 19 times in the New Testament. Six of those, 19. Think about that. Whole New Testament, 19 times. Six of them occur just in the passage I read. Another three occur in Luke's version of this. So this is kind of the central, one of the central passages uh, on anxiety for, for Christians. And so here's the definition of that Greek word. From a Greek lexicon. Natural reaction of man to poverty, hunger, and other troubles which befall him in his daily life. Or this, oppressed by the burdens laid upon him, man imagines himself, himself delivered to a fate before which he stands powerless. Kind of the, the, it's a material thing. Or it's, the, it's a, a spiritual thing connected to material thing, and it's the sense of powerlessness connected to it. I, I continue. By his care, man tries to protect himself as best as he can from what confronts him. So you could say that it feels like your material world is out of control or out of your control. What does Jesus have to say to us? about anxiety. Well, first and foremost is that anxiety is forbidden for the Christian. It's not something that should be characteristic of a Christian's life if um, the Christian is doing and has the appropriate perspective that he has. Now, we're going to get on this in, in, in a little bit later here. But I, I do want to set what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that anxiety, this overwhelming sense of worry, is, is incompatible with how the Christian is supposed to live. Forbidden sounds like a harsh word, but that's, um, I was trying to alliterate, and the other two are Fs here. So I just did forbidden, okay? Um, full disclosure. But this is what Jesus is after. He says this three times. He gives this command in this passage, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink about your body, etc. Do not be anxious, he says. Therefore, I tell you. And by the way, that's why it's connected to this previous passage. You cannot worship God and money. Verse 25. Therefore. That's the first one. Verse 25, it happens again. Verse 31, therefore, do not be anxious. And then he ends this section. Therefore, verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious. Three times. So I want to get to the question about why Jesus is concerned about worry and anxiety. But first, I want us to notice what it is that he tells us not to be worried about. 
What are the primary areas of concern here for Jesus? It's food and drink, kind of one category, food and drink, and clothing. See, verse 25 and verse 31 kind of bookend both of those, those things. Therefore, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Again, verse 31, he says he makes the, those two are the, the issues of concern. Therefore, do not be anxious. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Jesus' primary concern here is food and clothing. And food and clothing are pretty essential. My mom was just here the last couple of weeks, and uh, many of you got to meet my mom. And I love my mom. She is so generous uh, to my girls and to my wife. Uh, and she's generous to me, and we were out shopping, and she keeps wanting to buy me clothes, in particular undergarments. Like, she wants to make sure. It's a, like a mom thing that never goes away. And I'm like, no, mom, I'm okay. And she's like, sure, you don't. Don't you need some, some more clothes? And, um, and I'm trying, no, no, mom, don't worry. And she, she grabs me, and she goes, you know what? Clothes are not optional. She, so it's kind of her thing, always. And I'm like, yes, that's true. Ever since the garden, the fall, clothes are not optional. Um, and the obvious, the other one is food, right? These are staples, food and clothing. And I don't think that that's um, a coincidence Jesus is pick, picking these things. Jesus is not, doesn't want, he wants to get right to the real issue of anxiety. And so he wants to talk about um, things. He doesn't want to just deal with the extras. He doesn't want to just deal with the accumulating of eccentricities. He wants to get to even the basics. Jesus is, you know, some kind of take this to say, Jesus wants us to be content with few things or to live with simplicity or to live with minimalism or, you know, to be minimal or whatever. Uh, and those things are certainly included. It's, it's not less than that, but it's more than that. Jesus isn't saying, don't worry about the luxury items etc but worry about the essentials instead jesus says do not be anxious about anything including the two main staples that happen to you every day every day you put on clothes and every day you eat something at least most people in the world do And so this is, I think that's helpful for us to, to focus in on that when we go to hear Jesus' words and why this is important. Jesus is not talking about extras. He's talking about not even being anxious about, uh, about the, the basics and the essentials. And when food and clothing and shelter are scarce... It, people sometimes understandably get anxious about how they're going to find those kind of basic necessities in their life. And, and sometimes I think even it's just the fear of those things, even though we might have some of those, it's the fear that we wouldn't in the future. And so then you have this kind of accumulating and, and hoarding, which is what he addresses in the previous chapter. And to... Uh, to accumulate or to plan ahead and to, you know, that's not, that's not the issue. Again, he's talking about the heart. It's the anxiousness, the over, the consuming 
mentally draining and wearying of the worry and the anxiety that comes with that. It's, it's an obsession with making a, a secure tomorrow at the absence of factoring God in. Jesus here is urging all of us to, to find our ultimate security because anxiety is deal, deals with or is connected to that security. Jesus urges all of his followers that our security is not found in wealth or material things. It's found in God first. Amen. So that is why anxiety is forbidden for a Christian. And then uh, here's a couple of other reasons why it is uh, for, forbidden. Um, anxiety is forbidden. Uh, it's fruitless. It cannot change anything. This really comes into focus in verse 27, where Jesus asks this question, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. If you have the ESV, I want you to kind of notice there, there's also a footnote. Um, or it says a single cubit to his stature. Um, a cubit is like 18, 18 inches. So, you know, like Jesus saying, okay, um, it, can anxiety make you taller? You know, are you, and so they kind of take this as adding an hour to his life. And that's how they, they translate. But it's literally, can you add a cubit, you know, to your height by worrying? It's supposed to be kind of comical again. The absurdity of it. You're supposed to go, no, you know. No, it's totally fruitless. And then why do you worry? So it's, there's a fruitlessness. The worry or anxiety can't, it can't change anything. So there's the fruitlessness of it, but then there's, um, well, and I like this back, uh, Luke's version of this account, uh, to give kind of a fuller, maybe a fuller sense of uh, what Jesus is saying here. Uh, Luke has that same thing that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. Um, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Luke adds this. If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, like a foot and a half taller is a small thing, right? Can you make yourself a foot and a half taller by worrying about it? That's a small thing. If you can't do that small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? It's fruitless. So Jesus is concerned with it being fruitless. But Jesus is also concerned, wants to to uh, forbid it for his followers because it's also um, faithless. It's faithless. Anxiety at its essence is a distrust of God and his sovereign control. Notice there's two staples we talked about the two staples, food and drink, and kind of one side and clothing on the other. And Jesus now gives two illustrations for us, and he connects it to, to birds and then the grass and flowers in a field. And notice, both of these are connected. This is verses 26 and uh, also 28, 29, and 30. Look, he says here, the first illustration. 
Look at the birds. And, and if you can, try to travel back. You see the picture there uh, in the background picture there. That is on the Sea of Galilee. This is right kind of near where Jesus would have been doing this. And he, when the crowds are following him around from place to place, he goes up on the side of this mountain. And uh, I'm very lucky and privileged to have been there. And it's beautiful and it's gorgeous. And you're outside and you're on this beautiful slope and there's grass fields all around. And I'm sure, you know, birds flying overhead. And so it's like Jesus was using the very illustration in the settings that he was that he was in. I suppose I could do that. Cinder blocks. We could find some spiritual truth in cinder blocks or something. Maybe we should have church outside more. And so Jesus does this. He says, verse 26, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. The birds, the birds don't have these barns that they're storing things away in. And yet, he says, your heavenly father feeds them. And this we're going to come back to in a moment. Are you not more valuable than they? And then verse 28, he gets to the clothing side. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. It might be helpful to, to go back and picture uh, Solomon who was... Uh, described as having gold coming to him and wealth coming to him from all over. The, Solomon being the son of David. Solomon being the one who built this majestic uh, temple for as a house for the dwelling place of God for the Ark of the Covenant. And then he also built along with that, with this massive building campaign, um, a house for himself that was three times as large. I believe it's Solomon where it speaks of him that gold and silver was so common. It was as common as stones in the pavement. So when you speak about the glory of Solomon and Jesus says that compared to the beauty of these flowers in the field is nothing. In all of his glory was not arrayed like these beautiful flowers, Jesus would say. Look at these flowers. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, Jesus says, which today is alive and this grass tomorrow will be chopped down and thrown into the oven, that being the major fuel source for cooking food like the bread and, and such, that's chopped down and it's thrown into the oven. If that beautiful thing that God created is more glorious than Solomon in all his glory, that's going to get chopped down and be used to cook your bread? How much more will God clothe you? And notice the activity and provision of God and his care in these verses. Verse 26. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Verse 30, will not God not much more clothe you and ends with this, O you of little faith. Worry and being anxious is choosing to not trust God. Fretting is essentially a lack of faith that God loves us and is in control. 
And so the antidote, the antidote for anxiety is faith. And I want to be cautious when I say faith, because in our culture, we sometimes get a little bit skewed version of faith. I may be talking about faith and Joel Osteen might be talking about faith. We're not talking about the same thing. If you hadn't figured that already, right? If you've known me at any time, like for him, faith is your working, your ability to act like God. I don't want to get into it in, in great detail, but the, he comes from this word of faith movement, which means you, because you're made in the image of God, God just speaks things into existence. You can speak your life into existence. Well, well, you need to speak it in faith. Okay, That's not a misrepresentation. Right? You with me? Anybody with me on this? Anybody offended by that? So he speaks about faith. That's different. Faith, when it's used in the scriptures, is not the strength of the one who clings. It's the strength of the object that you rest in. So, you know, being rescued or delivered or saved from um, flooding or something like in a, a hurricane and you'd have a helicopter coming over. It's your faith is not your ability to cling to the rope. Faith is trusting that the basket or the rope or the cable is powerful enough to pull you up. You understand? And so it's that you need to think a little more like that when it comes to faith. Reliance on the good purpose and plan of God that allows us to let go of those anxieties and to trust in God and his plan and his provision and his care. My wife says this, and she says this is a refrain in BSF often. Every circumstance is an opportunity for faith or for fear. Jesus here is calling us to trust in God. So here's a few verses that, again, I'm preaching to myself. I'm, a, I'm a letting God's word preach to me, and I want this to do this for us too. Okay? I joked around with the worship band before. I said, this sermon's not for you guys. <laughs> it's, it's for me. It's for all of us. So here's a couple of verses. The psalmist, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. I love these words from Jeremiah, echoing Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Or this from Hebrews chapter 13. Keep, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have for. And this is the theological underpinning of that. 
For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Peter says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And I had one little bout of anxiety that kind of flashed out this last week. And my daughter, Ariana, was in the office and she actually wrote out this verse. And I came in and I saw this verse and, you know, I had to say, that verse was for me, wasn't it? And it says this from Philippians, Paul writing to the church at Philippi. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, you know, we are such forgetful creatures. We need to be reminded. Don't you? Our minds, and you've been around here for for some time you will have heard me say this before our minds and our souls are like buckets with little holes in them and we need to be refilled with the truth of God's word you've heard me say this before the gospel leaks right so we hear that this the word that God would speak to us and his promises to us and we're we're fed by it we're nourished by it Um, like drinking uh, fresh, cool water on a parched soul. We, We need it. And yet over time, we get thirsty again. We get hungry again. We need to hear the gospel. The gospel isn't for those who aren't Christians to become Christians. The gospel is for everyone. It's for for all of us. And so Sundays is just, it's not just going to church. When we gather together, we get to hear God's word proclaimed. And it is God speaking to you. It's God speaking to me. We come to hear it again and again and again. Because it leaks. And we need to be refilled with the truth. So we need to be reminded about who God is. And that God could be trusted. To trust in God, we need to see what God has done for us. Remember, this is casting your burdens on him. And it might be helpful for us to look at who God is and to know our value. Because remember, look at what Jesus says here. The end of verse 26, in the setting of the birds. Are you not of more value than they? The Apostle Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth. Let's see if I I have these here. For you were bought with a price. We even sang something along those lines, didn't we? You were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. We were bought? 
Or as Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. He gave his life as he bought you. Or these words, this is the, the writer of Hebrews writing to pastors and overseers, calling them to care for the church of God, but it's this little addition that he adds to it. The church of God, which he obtained with his blood, his own blood. Yes, God has blood. Come in the person of Jesus Christ. Or as Peter says this, you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Think of all that God has done to save you, to all who have faith in Christ. You have, Jesus Christ has existed before. He's eternal. It's hard even to say that he existed. He's always existed. He was before the creation because the scripture says that all of creation was made through him. And yet he comes to earth. The word, John says, became flesh and dwelt among us lived just like us in our human existence, in our human bodies, to understand fully what we are. To identify with us, and I would say not for him to know what we are, but for us to know we have a God who knows. And he lives an earthly life. Was crucified with a brutal death on the cross. You have this humiliation of the God-man, Jesus Christ. And yet, God raises Christ from the dead. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. So his resurrection from the, the grave, and then ascending up into the heaven, and where he is sitting, at interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. And he promises to come again for those who are, it, through, who are his. And then he will have an eternal glory. You have this, this overview of the work of the life of Christ, Jesus. And every single point of that is geared toward buying you. Every step of the life of Christ from before creation to this moment and beyond was done to reconcile you to Almighty God, the creator of the universe. You have peace with God. Your eternity, eternity is secure. You were brought into God's family. Orphaned, but now adopted. You are his beloved child. Then why worry? In both testaments, it's made abundantly 
unambiguously clear that the child of God has a heavenly father who loves and cares for his own. And God will allow nothing to befall any of his followers, any of his children, except that which is for their good. Therefore, we don't need, we have zero need to be anxious about our present circumstances or about our future. God cares and looks after the birds of the air. God cares for and looks after the grass of the field. Those who trust in him through Christ are loved and valued more than birds. Those who trust in Christ are loved and are valued more than flowers. Trust, friends. Trust in God through Christ. It is in Christ alone that we have all the security that we truly need. Amen? Would you stand for me with closing prayer? And then I invite the band to come up.